This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Ready or Not is brought to you by Elan House of Wellness, the ultimate destination for postpartum care, supporting mothers with food, education, self-care tools and gifts. I didn't even know what to do. Your number one as a mum is to protect your children. So that becomes your number one. A few months after he passed away and I was back at work, it was really a case of, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. In your 40s, you're at the peak of your career, usually. So you've got young kids, you've got older parents, and then your hormones kick in as well. Workplaces are appreciating more and more that women and mums work really hard. Just because they're not sitting there till six o'clock at night doesn't mean they're not doing an amazing job. No matter what's going on, the world goes on, the sun will rise. On a warm January day in 2022, Lisa Walker pulled up to her husband's house to find him peacefully unresponsive on his bed. A whirlwind of navigating solo parenting, grief and continuing to build upon the business idea that was already in motion ensued. And as a mother to two young boys, the show, while not according to script, went on. It was during pandemic walks that Lisa and her business partner's chats often turned to managing the mental load of feeling constantly foggy, fatigued and frazzled. And after three years of researching and testing, and a year after losing her husband, Air Women was born with a range of supplements designed to give women over 40 back their energy and their power. With a career spanning over 25 years, and with many seasons of parenting under her belt. Here, Lisa shares how she's turned pain into purpose and why she's passionate about helping women understand what happens when their partner passes away. She doesn't pretend it's been easy, but as you'll hear, the glass remains half full. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the vivacious and vulnerable Lisa Walker. Lisa, in January of 2022, at 47 years old, your husband suddenly passed away. Can you tell us about what happened? January, hot day. My husband and I had separated recently before then. It was still really amicable. We were trying to work through a few things. You know, it often happens. You just need some time apart. So we were still, you know, seeing each other every day. I'd just been away for a few days with the boys and I'd just noticed he hadn't, he hadn't wanted to see them. So he wasn't feeling great. And on this particular morning, a Saturday morning, I just thought I need, I, I need to go over and see him again. And so I went over there and unfortunately he passed away. It was, you know, obviously a surprise, shocking. You, you go into complete protection mode. I mean, I didn't even know what to do. I had to call someone. I'm like, oh, my God, I've just found Ben passed away. What do I do? And they're like, call triple zero. Um, so we do all of that. Um, but, you know, while it was it was hard. I had my eight, nine, nine-year-old in the car as well. So, you know, you're trying to, I guess, call the right people but then protect one of your children in the car because you don't want them, you know, you don't know what to say to them. You don't know what to do. So yeah, it was it was just I guess a shock, but then you go into full protection mode. And so you're knocking at the door. What happens next? Are you starting to panic? Are you not there yet? 
I knocked at the door and he had our dog. At the time, the dog started barking and I just knew instantly. I knew straight away. Door was locked. I went around the back. That door was unlocked and I came in. Dog came rushing out. And I I think I just knew deep down that just, you know, the dog barking, all of that was just really unusual. So, yeah, I just knew. And then I just walked in the bedroom and we'd gone for a nap. And just in the afternoon, we think the night before, the day afternoon before, and just didn't wake up. So, you know, you're seeing someone who I've seen in that position a hundred thousands of times, you know, sun, a Sunday afternoon or afternoon naps. And yeah, that's just how he was. So, you know, at least it was peaceful. At least it wasn't something really shocking. It was just went to sleep and didn't wake up. You're a mother of two and you lose the father of your children. I can imagine there's this huge sense of, oh, it's all on me now. That's something that happens quickly or slowly. I can almost imagine it happens immediately because you have to somehow go back to your car and tell your child what you've seen or do you not tell them at that stage? I think that that is absolutely the hardest moment is um, telling the boys what had happened. And so my nine-year-old in the car, I just said, look, daddy's sick. We've caught an ambulance. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But at the time, I just called friends. Friends came and got him. My other son was at a play date and I just called the mum and said, are you on your way home to your place? I just need to come by and pick up Bo. And I think she just heard in my voice that something was wrong. And then I went, I mean, this is a couple of hours later because obviously there's police, there's ambulances, I was being interviewed, there was a lot going on. And, yeah, going to pick up my 12-year-old and just seeing him was really hard. Does your grief come second when you've got kids? I I can't quite picture it. I can't quite imagine. Yes, me as well already crying. You go into mama bear mode is probably the, the one thing. And it, it's, a, it's a flight, a fight or flight response. Um, absolutely. And your number one as a mum is to protect your children. So that becomes your number one focus is, and it's hard because, you know, you're, you're speaking to people and police and you feel like you're probably coming up as cold, but you are just in protection survival mode. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily come out. I mean, you might have moments, I was shaking, um, there's all of that, but absolutely the first thing is your children. When do you think you start to deal with your own grief because there'd be a point I mean we're still fresh in this this happened less than two years ago but I imagine there's a point when funerals have finished people stop coming over every day or people slow down in that way where all of a sudden the dust is starting to settle and you're starting to live with your new normal when does it start to become something that you're processing from your own point of view there's no way to process grief there's no right or wrong there it's not a linear path and like I said, it was really complex with us because we had, there was a separation in the mix. There's that part of me that's like, what role, what role do I play in this funeral? Um, whereas people were looking to me and I'm like, is this responsibility? Am I overstepping my mark by being involved when we were already going through quite a complex relationship at the time? So there's a lot going on. And he was also CEO of a media company, so that made it in some ways a little bit public. Not overly, you know, I, I really, I've always been really private up until recently. But the grief, it just catches you at weird moments and you, you can't control grief and that's what I'd say to other. It's like 
it's it's like another person. It's you cannot control it. You don't know when it's going to hit you. So I thought I was fine until I went into a change room to try on a dress to wear to the funeral and then completely lost it. Well, we find even now. And then I'll walk into the supermarket and be picking up some groceries. And then all of a sudden, it's like you are your eyes just start leaking. <laughs> it's like you just can't turn the tap off. And there's no rhyme or reason. And you go through every stage. There, there's anger, there's disappointment, and everything hits. But you just you have to roll with it because you can't you can't fight emotions because they're going to come out at some point. And so you're in your mid-40s, you have two small children, all of a sudden I imagine that parenting weight, I'm sure you had great supports, but ultimately I'm sure a lot of that just felt like all of a sudden it was on you, whereas it used to be on two people. Yeah. You also had a business idea brewing that had started previous to the death. What happens next? Uh, Well, look, I was really lucky. The company I was working for was really supportive. They gave me some time off and yes. I'd started working on this business idea in COVID with my business partner, Kate. So we knew this was going to come to fruition. It was just always going to be a bit of a side hustle. We were always working on it in the background. A few months after we passed away and I was back at work, it was really a case of, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I'm not giving enough to my team that who needed me. Um, I'd also finished a lot of big projects and I was almost like, well, what is my role? in this company now anyway. So I was really fortunate that financially um, a couple of things fell into place and I was able to make a decision on to leave the job and then work on the business. So and the business, it was always going to be my turn. So Ben and I had always talked about, he'd set up, you know, he's an entrepreneur, he'd set up his business, it was really successful. So we'd always talked about this was going to be my year. We were going to focus on this. We were going to invest into this company and make it work. So as far as the timing is me leaving to work on it solely, that probably was different, but it was going to happen. You just mentioned something that made me think something I've just glossed over is returning to work after loss. Yeah. And how challenging that must have been. Was it just one foot in front of the other? How did you, how did you do that? Yeah. Well, the one thing that you don't know is that leave for bereavement is only like one or two days so if you don't have annual leave or some kind of leave or a business that really understands it um, or gives you the time and is kind to you then that makes it really tough so I would imagine a lot of companies do but I would also imagine there's a lot of companies who don't so my boss was amazing he's just like take take as lot much time as you need I mean I think it rocked everybody in the business as well and then I, w- I was able to just work from home and he was really good he was like just to set aside time and do some deep thinking do deep work but then take the time you need as well so I did that a lot but then I did need to and don't forget it's also at the end of COVID so we were working from home quite a lot and the company I worked for was quite conservative where um so as soon as there was any kind of outbreak, we were working from home. But then I need, I found I needed that social, I needed to be around people as well, because the last thing you want to do is just be stuck in your own thoughts the whole time. So once the boys were back at school, once we'd got through the funeral and I had that quiet time, which you kind of needed. And and I don't have any family support here. I'm in Sydney, my family are all in Melbourne. So I didn't really have a lot of support, but I had a really good school community around me. 
And how did the school community wrap around you? And what did you notice about school peers? They're obviously young. They Some of them may have understood the depths of what your sons were going through and others might have not really known how to approach them. How did you find that time of them returning to school? Well, it happened in the January holidays. So what I find with kids is that they actually don't want to tell anyone. They don't want to be the centre of attention. They don't want to talk about it. So we met with the teachers and with the school before they went back to school because it was two weeks before school started. And it was just, you know, how do we tell the other kids what's going on? But in the end, the kids were pretty quiet. They didn't want to talk about it. They still don't. They refuse to talk about it. But but they were okay. I mean, they really were okay. We're okay and they still are now. People, you would never know. You wouldn't have known at the time. They just want normalcy. They just want to go to school. They want to be around their friends and they want to not talk about it and not have people in the house. They just want to be with me. And I think the only, not really a positive, but the only one thing is that they were used to being in the house with just me anyway because of the separation. Mm. It wasn't all of a sudden void. It had slowly happened. Yeah, so it was a little bit of a transition of being at home and I'm just thankful that obviously he didn't pass away at home and that our, our house was still really a safe space for us all but no the school and the school moms were great you know they would take the boys out you know they just want to go on play dates they didn't want to be at home where people are coming and going in those sad faces and so it was just that rallying around of keeping everyone busy and bringing food if we needed food and they were really amazing. Such a great group of mums and I've, I've moved now, but they're still, I'm still really close to them. And so you're starting to develop your business, which is AIR, which we will get to. How does grief and what you are navigating sit alongside business? Because from what I hear, grief can sometimes really exhaust you and it can make you all of a sudden need to drop everything and just rest. But on the other page, I can imagine as you said, you needed that distraction. You needed something to keep you going. Yeah. How did you find developing your business while navigating motherhood and then the loss of your husband? I just need to keep going. I need I need to be busy. I need to have something to occupy my mind. So I never really had that deep exhaustion, not getting out of bed. I would still get up, do everything, focus, you know, lots of exercise which I need for my own mental health anyway. So that was that probably was never a question and I always would have done something. Um, but air was amazing because number one, it's helping women, which I love and that's what I'm passionate about. And it's about midlife health, which I'm also passionate about. And even more so having a husband who passed away in, during midlife, it's a positive business to work on. It's not like I'm trying to sell something that, doesn't help people. I think that that's a big part of it is we we develop these products for ourselves. So we know that they work. So having that something positive that gets me up every day. And, you know, even if I'm writing content, it was about empowering women and navigating everything that happens in your life. You know, grief is one thing, but it's not, you know, we all have things that we're facing every day. And one person's trauma isn't better than another person's trauma, if that makes sense. So um, having air to work on was really empowering and positive and brought life back to what I was doing. And and it, I keep saying it probably saved me back last year. And tell us about the business now. 
Well, look, it's something I love, obviously, air is it's supplements for women over 40. So not necessarily perimenopause, mini- menopause, which is what everyone's talking about at the moment, but it's really that busy time of life. Like your 40s are when you're, and I know you're not there yet, but you're, you know, you're still really getting into the thick of it. In your 40s, you're at the peak of your career, usually. So you're working really hard. You know, many of us had our kids later. So you still got young kids that are in, you know, primary school, transitioning to high school, and they do really need you. And then the flip or the other end of that, the bookend of that is that your parents are getting older. So a lot of the time you become caretaking at both ends. So you've got young kids, you've got older parents, you've got, you know, really great roles, and then your hormones kick in as well. So, you know, it's this pile on top of you that you're not expecting so there's a lot going on and so what we really want to help and underpin is looking after your adrenal health and stress and all of those factors come into play when then in your mid 40s because perimenopause can last up to 10 years is when the hormones do start to change that your body is a little bit more prepared for it so we do our products do help with the symptoms but they also underpin and help with stress and energy and sleep, which is a really big one, to help you prepare for perimenopause. And when it comes to the nuts and the bolts of the business, I imagine creating a product range in the health space is quite arduous. How did you go about it? Uh, Well, I'm really lucky. I feel like all of my career to date has got me here. So I've worked in PR, I started in health and beauty PR and then worked into advertising agencies. I worked in media, in radio for a couple of years and then pharmaceutical, which allowed me to work alongside the TGA. So I understand that process. And then um, imaging at Canon. So I've done a lot of product development, a lot of content, a lot of advertising, packaging. So it's all, and I taught yoga for 10 years as well. So I feel like everything kind of got me to this place. So that's what was really fun is that it's, you know, pulling together all these random roles. And I think sometimes we have this trajectory where it just does not seem to make sense. And now it feels like it all made sense. So I'm in this place where it's like, wow, this is this is everything that I needed and I've done. And I love that process of designing the packaging and and that's what makes our products different because we wanted something that looked beautiful on the shelf and that women were happy to leave out and were proud of because then you'll take it. It's no point having something that looks like crap and then you hide in a drawer or it's covered with the words hormones because no woman is going to leave that out, you know, <laughs> and say, yeah, I'm feeling hormonal. I'll just leave this on the desk. So, you know, our products, you know, I know women who leave the bottles on their desk at work because you can do that. So that's that's the way we built the brand and we just want women to feel good. I'm so glad you brought that up because as you said, it's not my stage yet, but it's something that I'm starting to appreciate more just having gone through motherhood and going through different phases of, of your life. And I was listening to a Mamma Mia podcast this morning that couldn't have been better timing for our convo actually, because Mia Friedman firstly talks about the fact that Kate Blanchett, she was on a panel with her and she went through menopause on the earlier side of things around 36 when she was trying to fall pregnant and the utter shame she felt in the fact that she was going through menopause early and that she'd try and figure out if her friends were, she'd bring up supplements and just see if anyone knew what she was talking about essentially. Why do you think there is so much shame around this phase of a woman's life when it 
happens to us all. I do think in the last three years since we started working, even when we started working on air, we were like, no one's talking about this. And that's how it started for us because we, in lockdown, we were doing 10 kilometer walks every day. So they're probably conversations we wouldn't have had unless we would, we'd run out of conversation. So we were like, oh my God, I'm feeling like this. We're doing 10 kilometers three times a week. How are we still putting on weight? So all of those things, the conversation is happening and it's out there now. So it's gaining momentum. But I think that's also women my age. You know, I'm only just asking my mum about menopause now as I'm starting to come into it. So someone in their 30s, they are going to be difficult conversations to have with your friends because you are thinking about having kids. And 30s is that really manic decade of wanting to achieve. That's I call it the achievement decade because you want to have kids, you want to get to a certain point in your career before you have kids because, you know, you there's all these expectations. So I think to have, number one, it's a bit of a shock that your body isn't doing what you planned, but also it is hard to have those conversations. And I, I hope that because we're having them now ourselves at an older age, it's going to permeate down so that more people are comfortable with it. And I think men are starting to understand it a little bit more too. It's definitely more in the zeitgeist. And in this same conversation, Mia and Mia Friedman and Holly Wainwright jostle with whether it's good or bad or not whether it's good or bad, but they jostle with the positives and the negatives that can come out of women talking about these different phases of baby brain or pregnancy or postpartum or menopause in the workspace because they think sometimes it can be weaponized against women, but sometimes it's really helpful. What's your thoughts on that? How do you think we should be talking about menopause when it comes to career? And what would you hope that society would learn from that rather than going, oh, she's moody today. She's having a hot flash. Let's get her home. How do we shape these conversations in a positive way? It's a really good question. I'm not sure I've got the answer to it. I think the number one is to start to normalize it between women because it can become that, then that movement. I mean, even if you can go to the office and say to another woman, God, I'm feeling like shit today. I feel like I'm going to lose it. Then that's okay. And I don't know that you can necessarily start having these conversations around lots of men. And I hope that, I do think that is changing, but they just don't understand it. The generations coming through now absolutely do. And it's a different type of conversation. But even if I tried to have this with my husband, he would have laughed about it or make, you know, made fun or, as you say, kind of weaponize it. So because there's, there's nothing that his cohort loved more than talking about a woman who is, high-pitched or, you know. Emotional. Yeah. So it is changing though. And, but the the number one has to be women lifting each other up and talking about it themselves, because that's the only way that that movement is going to happen. When I think about the Christmas holiday period, I feel both excitement and dread. It's a time of joy, but it can also be stressful. And even more so as I head towards the end of my second pregnancy with a busy toddler in tow. With this in mind, Elan House of Wellness wants mothers to prioritise themselves this summer. 
through their incredibly thoughtful offering of dry mixes like the dark chocolate banana bread, traditional Chinese medicine mixes, I can't wait to try the restore herbal soup in my upcoming postpartum, and gifts including affirmation cards, beautiful body oils, mists and creams. Elan House of Wellness is changing the way we think about postpartum care and looking after mothers. Whether it's a gift for yourself for getting through this crazy period or something for the special mother figure in your life, you can shop their range of family and pregnancy-friendly products at elan.house. All of their products are carefully curated through a contemporary interpretation of ancient Chinese traditions that believe that when you support the well-being of the mother, you in turn support the entire family. Listeners of Ready or Not will receive 10% off using code POSTPARTUMREADY at elan.house. This offer has no expiration date, but excludes 28-day postpartum packages and gift certificates. And often we've heard in the past that women in their 40s or maybe closer to their 50s start to get a little bit forgotten about, a bit lost, especially in the workplace lens. We start to be perceived as over the hill while our male counterparts are at the peak of their career. They're like thriving and women start to perhaps be perceived as ageing. Do you think that's changing too as these conversations start to come up? What happens is you have kids and at some point unconsciously or not, there's obviously there's a lot of unconscious bias everywhere. And that was even when I was in my 20s, I had friends who were going for roles and the feedback would be, well, you're you're married, you're probably going to have kids in the next couple of years. We might give this job to somebody else. That's changed. So again, it's changing now, but I feel like women are really empowered in business now. And I guess what I, I'm trying to say is when you've got a family, someone's career is always going to be on the back foot. And it's often the person who isn't the highest earner in the family, whether or not that's male or female. And it's not on purpose. It's just that if you've got sick kids, and particularly now in daycares, if your child has a runny nose, they're going to be home for five days because you're not allowed back. So at some point, no matter how busy I was or how busy Ben was, even if we split it, someone's taking the greater amount of time off work. So unconsciously within a family, that decision gets made. So yes, women, we're lucky we can work from home more now, but there is that sense of being left behind because you can't be as committed to your role. And it depends on the workplace because I know I would hire any woman, any mum, because I just think they work harder. They're, they're, they're not wasting time. They're not talking. They're not sitting in the kitchen and having our lunches. They're getting in, getting their job done and going home. And that's good because you've got priorities. You're not wasting time, but you're also, I find women, they, they want to prove themselves. They want to work hard because I was in that position. It was like, you know, if I've got to leave at five o'clock, then I'm going to work really damn hard to make sure that happens. So I think now workplaces are appreciating more and more that women and mums work really hard and just because they're not sitting there till six o'clock at night doesn't mean they're not doing an amazing job and a lot of the time it's far better than their male counterparts. 
It's a very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, that's good. I love the correlation of that it's probably changing more in our 30s and how then that trickles up to our 40s and 50s perhaps because then the conversation less becomes around a woman's age. And hopefully it's just more like we're just there as opposed to when we weren't perhaps in previous generations. And maybe I've just been lucky and, and that's the workplaces I've been in. But I do, I get a sense of, well, number one, there's more women coming through supporting other women and that's really important. But I think it, overall it, it's definitely changing. So you've had many seasons now of navigating paid work alongside parenting I think in the early days of being a mother, you went back full-time. Your husband, Ben, also worked full-time. Yeah. What have the different seasons of making that work looked like for you? Now I reflect on it, and you're probably going to hate this, but I <laughs> I think now the daycare days was so easy. Because, Interesting. Yeah. Well, look, there's definitely seasons. My number one advice to anyone having babies is make friends with the night. Because the more you stress about being up at night, the more anxious you are. That's great advice. You can just make friends with it. Enjoy it. Do you know if you're going to do it? So I flipped my thinking to, you know what, this is my time alone with my baby. I'm just going to enjoy it. And that meant I was more relaxed. And even if I had a few hours sleep, I was like, well, you know, this, this is just that season. Nothing keeps you up in the night more than waking up in the night and being stressed about waking up in the night. And also then your baby won't go back to sleep either. Yeah. So, and then, but the thing is with daycare, and this is why, you know, when you're in it, you hate me for saying this, but you drop them off at eight o'clock, they feed them, they do, they, they give them a hot meal during the day. Yeah. I don't even take them. a nappy. I just drop him off with a backpack. Exactly. And then you pick them up at six o'clock or whenever. You can give them a sandwich for dinner. It doesn't matter because you know they've eaten their vegetables and there's peer group pressure. They eat everything they give them because everyone else is. And then you you have some nice time with them put them to sleep. So it is busy, completely get it. The next season is primary school and that is a whole new world because... Finishes at 3.30. It's still doing your full-time job, <laughs> but you've got to make them lunch. So you're trying to make them a healthy lunch, but then also because they're not eating vegetables at lunchtime, you've got to think about dinner and how am I going to get this child to eat some vegetables then they're, all of a sudden they're coming home Yeah, you've got to try and find after-school care, which in some places is not that easy because they're all full. And then you've got to pick them up and then all of a sudden you've got sight words, you've got reading, you've got to make lunch for the next day, you've got to try and make them eat healthy food. And that, that surprised me. That is so interesting. As soon as you said it, I, I understand. I'm not annoyed at all, just so that you know, I totally get it. But I always think that once you get to school, you're like, oh, okay, phew, we've done the first five years now they're at school, but it's a whole nother kettle of fish. And they've got more attitude and they're more happy to say no to you. And then the teachers are then like, the teachers know everything and you don't know anything anymore. So it's, it's a shift. <laughs> But it's, it gets even, I think it's more to juggle when they're at primary school. I'm sorry. but That's fine. You're just preparing me. It's all good. And then when they get to high school, the one in high school, one in primary school, high school, they do need you. They still need you, but it's more to be on top of them for things. But at least they, you know, mine both make their own lunches now, which I get in trouble with because apparently my five said he's the only one in the class who makes his own lunch. Really? Even in today's world? I'm surprised by that. I know. You're teaching him good skills for when one day he goes out and finds a partner. Don't yeah. worry. No, I didn't. 
<laughs> no, I think you're doing the right thing there. So, so yeah, it, it's just different. And you're right, it's different seasons and there's always something to throw at you and to make you feel like you're failing somewhere. <laughs> theory. And so you've obviously had to also get used to solo parenting while dealing with different school levels and running your business. Mm-hmm. Have there been any particular support structures you've put in place, either, either paid or unpaid, that have helped you go about your business as well? No, I think that that is the joy of having my own business. You know, the boys are a bit older, so they're 10 and 13 now. So they're really good and they they're, they can be a little bit more self-sufficient now and they're at an age where I can go for an early dinner if I'm close by. I can go to the gym. It's not like I'm at home with you know, babies and I can't leave the house. So like I said, I don't really have any support here that – great thing about having my own business is I give myself my flexibility so as a sole parent you know even if you're separated or divorced you know it's 50 50 so you can live life on life off I don't have that but what I do is I make time for myself during the week when they're at school so I have to do that because otherwise I don't get any time to myself that is for me so I would rather spend you know a Saturday afternoon working when they've got a play date or you know they're just at home and sacrifice that time so that I can have time during the week. And that that's the only way I can balance it at the moment, which is working for us. You know, there are days though that I'm working till 10 o'clock at night or I'm working all weekend, but again, I, it's a choice I've made. I was just about to ask what does a day in the life look like for you, but I'm guessing it's forever changing. Forever changing. I, you know, I try to check email when I get up. I, I try and meditate when I get up, try and get some quiet time have a coffee by myself on the balcony, get the, the kids are on the bus at eight. So that's pretty good for me. Um, it means we're early and then I try and go for an hour walk or go to Pilates, um, knowing that I've already checked my email, anything important. And then it's just what the day brings, to be honest. It could be a bit of everything. And I can sense that you're an optimist. Yeah. I've heard that saying a lot about grief and how it doesn't grow smaller, but we grow around it. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, I think, like I said, grief's really weird. It's just you think you're okay and then one little trigger will happen and then it all comes back. So a couple of weeks ago, you know, one of my eldest child's mum passed away. So and I, I actually didn't know her myself because we're new to this school, but that was a really big trigger. So, you know, I was telling him and then I completely lose it. So I got say for someone I don't know or... It's just, it's just a beast. You just, you don't know. And I think, yes, I'm probably, it changes. Like I was very angry for a while. That anger's gone and it's more sadness for life stages. So sadness for not, him not seeing what the boys are doing or what they've achieved or how they're um, navigating life themselves. So what I have learned though is if I'm okay, the boys are okay. Equally, if I'm not okay, everything falls apart. Um, and the, But it's also important for the boys to see when I'm not okay. So it's important that we have emotions and that they can see me get upset as well and that it's okay. And we talk about that and I might just say, you know, mummy's having a bad day today, but, you know, we'll be okay and they understand that. So it's just being open, sharing. And you say that yoga has helped you. How so? 
Uh, absolutely. I think the one thing that yoga and doing it for so long and teaching it for so long is that I'm quite happy to sit in my emotions. So if I'm feeling something, I will often just sit there. And if I'm if I'm crying, then I'll just sit there and cry and think about it and just sit in the emotion and live in the emotion because that's okay too. Um, and just having, it's tools. It's tools of meditation, it's tools of breathe, even just breathing exercises that come naturally to me, but don't come naturally to other people. So yeah, I, do, I think it's just these inner tools. I do a lot of watching of other people. Um, you know, I've learned a lot about other people because a lot of yoga is around um, taking your ego out of things. So I try to do that as well and understand other people's emotions and the boys' emotions and um, other triggers. So it, it, it's a lot of watching, a lot of just acknowledging and learning. And something you're passionate about, perhaps making sure other people are informed about, is the finances that can come up with death and that that's just a whole another big kettle of fish to navigate. Can you tell us about your experience with that? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> and this is, you know, that whole ready or not. I mean, no one expects to be in this situation. But the one thing that, you know, Ben and I talked about, we never had a will. And it seems ludicrous that we didn't. But in his head was, you'll be fine. Something happens to me, you just get everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, that makes sense. And and in, even in my head, it was more we need to have this in place so that if something happened to both of us, that we knew what was happening with the kids. And that was probably my argument. And then we also had separate finances. And it was just something we never, you know, obviously we had a mortgage together, but we just always had separate finances. So what I didn't understand and what I would imagine most people don't understand is that when someone passes away, all their bank accounts get locked. So there's no access for anybody, including a spouse. So all I had was the money that was in my bank account. We live in Sydney, massive mortgage. And whilst I had a job and had a really good job, there's no way that I could have covered a mortgage and all of our expenses and just living in general. So that took 15 months for that process. Because you've got to get a lawyer, you've got to apply to the courts. We were waiting on coroner's reports, which also took 10 months. So things take time and you don't realise that, okay, there's 15 months that there's no money. And you're paying money, obviously, to get these things moving too, like to get the lawyer. Yeah. I really see it as a sliding doors moment because we could have lost the house. We could have lost everything. And I'm not saying we would be homeless, but it does, you do, you are in that panic and that's another stress you don't need. So even with a will, that process takes three or four months. Without a will, yeah, you're looking at 15 months. So I could, you know, I would have had help from family if I needed it, but that's also a really big ask. So they're just things you don't even realize um, take place. You know, my number one is make sure you've got a joint account because they're not going to close that account. They're not going to lock it. 
And make sure you've got a will in place because it just speeds up the whole process and make sure you've got access to to money to cover you for those first couple of months. And then we had everything else, right? We had life insurance. But again, you know, we couldn't get that until we had a coroner's report. So that's 10 months. So things just take a long time. And like I said, it's a sliding doors moment where we we are lucky financially because of um, the business that we had and some things that happened, but it could easily have gone the other way. Why do you think that's something that we don't talk about? Because a lot of the things you just said, I've never heard before and people have died around me, obviously. Yeah. But I, I did not know that. No, I guess, you know, a lot of partners... A lot of marriages or a lot of, you do have everything combined, but there's also a lot of, and I think it's about 50% of couples, don't don't quote me on it, but I think that's what I've heard when I've spoken to lawyers is there's an awful lot of couples that just do keep everything separate. Mm. And you just, you just have no idea. It's, it feels like it should be simple, but it's not. Obviously, I haven't known you until today, but I'm thinking you've come a very long way in under two years. If you could go back and tell Lisa the day after this happened one thing about the Lisa of today, what would you tell her? Oh, wow. I think I've grown a lot. Um, This business has pushed me out of my comfort zone and I would have just said to her, you've got this, like you'll get there. You'll make me cry again. Sorry. <laughs> it's just I never expected to be where I am now 18 months ago. You know, it's been a process. I, I, I've moved house. I've moved the boys' schools. I've, you know, changed a lot of friendships. Um, I've let go of a lot of people. I've got a, a lot of new networks. I've got a lot of old friends that have come back. It's it's really surprising and positive, but I never thought I'd be doing something like this. I never thought that I would be speaking about the importance of health at our age, at finances, you know, but experience, it does give you that wisdom of, of learning but also I believe that there's so much that has always been secret women's business um even pregnancy do you know there's so much you don't know and there's so much that those books don't tell you until you're in it yourself and that just has to change I think that's what's opened my eyes up to the importance of what you're talking about because of what I've been through so far in 18 months of motherhood and the pregnancy that came before and the pregnancy I'm in now is it opens your eyes up to the stages of a woman's life that really you're sort of unaware of until you're going through it. Yeah, and that's what Kate and I are really positive. So Air at the moment is very much, you know, over 40, but where we want it to be is that it's a company that really focuses on stages of life because they are really important and women need different support at different stages. And it's not just about different products, but it is a about talking and understanding and sharing and the more we do that the more we're equipped to move forward and if someone listening to this podcast is going through a loss like you went through alongside parenting and potentially business or career in any way what would be your biggest piece of advice for them 
Oh, wow. I think it's just go with it. It's, you know, don't, you've got to drop, it's like anything, you've got to just drop your expectations. You have to not, you've got to let go of what you think is going to happen because otherwise, if, if you're really latched onto something or connected to what you think is going to happen, then that makes it harder. You just need to go with whatever's been thrown at you that day and know that the sun is going to rise tomorrow morning. That, that's been my biggest learning is no matter what's going on, um, the world goes on, the sun will rise and another day will, will be there before you know it. That's a beautiful note to end on. Lisa, I've loved hearing your story. Where can people find your business, Air, online? Uh, so airwomen.com.au, so it's e-i-r-women.com.au is where we are. We're also in Mr Vitamins and going into a few other retail um, and online soon. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, mostly online is where you'll find us. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.